Oh, that's not it right there. That, that's not what I heard before I started singing. That, yeah, <laughs> I'm not alone. But uh, put me in some acoustics and I sound real good. An empty room, boy, I can set it off. <laughs> Amen. God bless y'all. Father in heaven, we thank you, God, for your wonderful son, Jesus Christ, Christos, the anointed one, anointed to save, anointed to deliver, anointed to set free, anointed to restore the relationship between God and man, Jesus, <laughs> Jehovah saves. The Lord saves. Thank you for him in the season that we're in to give him even more glory. He is worthy of it. You are worthy of it. It was your idea to send him through 42 generations that we might be set free. And all of us who are redeemed, we say so today. With the clapping of our hands and the worship of our lips, we declare that you are worthy. Thank you for your plan of salvation because without it, we'd still be lost. And thank you that you didn't leave it up to us to execute the plan, but you did it all yourself so that we would not get in your way. And if there's anybody in this room today who's not saved, who's not been delivered, who's not been set free, I pray that whatever obstacle there is that has been in their way, it would be removed. Pray that we be encouraged today. Because that's what this word did for me, encouraged me. So I pray that the encouragement that I received, your people will receive. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, wow. Okay. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Um, wow. There's 17 verses there that stood out to me. And in the 17 verses is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. This genealogy lists the family members of Joseph, the husband of Mary. If you read about verse 16, I think, verse 16, 15, 16, 17, it says Joseph, the husband of Mary. It is very uh, implicit that Joseph is not the father of Jesus. So it doesn't say so. Takes great pains. He's very careful not to mix up who Jesus' father is. So he doesn't say Joseph the stepdaddy. But he, 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 he connects Joseph to Mary. <laughs> Joseph, the husband of Mary. Because Mary was impregnated by the overshadowing of the Holy Ghost. And the baby that would be born of her would be called holy. You can only ascribe holiness to something that God originates. 
Therefore, if Joseph was Jesus' father, Jesus could not be called holy. In the genealogy, it's too many things to read and too many names that I might mispronounce. Amen. So I don't want to try to pronounce the name so that Bible scholars could sit in their seats and say that's not right. So to keep that from happening, I won't even labor in that vein. But there are some people I want to point out, though. People like Tamar. <laughs> Judah. I don't, I don't want to point out Tamar without pointing out Judah because without Judah, Tamar would be insignificant. Mm -hmm. Takes two to tango. We'll talk about that later. Uh, and then Rahab and, and Ruth and David. And as Matthew writes it, um, the wife of Uriah, whose name is Bathsheba. As I read through this, this, this list of people that is in the lineage, the legal lineage of Jesus Christ, it made me think about something. It made me think about the fact that all of these people with a checkered past are in the legal lineage of our Savior. Why would you tell it? I want to speak today from the topic, and I love this graphic right here. And I hope the graphic's coming up. You ready? High school. We're going to go ahead and get started. The graphic is beautiful. The topic today is God is not intimidated by. <laughs> God is not intimidated by. The big dog is God, by the way. The little dog is whatever you got. You see, God is not intimidated by where you come from. There are people who aren't saved today because they think they come from too much of a mess. They think that their family line is too messed up and that they've made too many mistakes and they've done too many wrong things. And there are people who they've come and they've confessed Jesus and they came to the altar and they cried and they laid out and everything. But still in the back of their mind, in the back of their spirit, they don't want to do stuff because they're hindered by what happened yesterday. Some of us are serving, but we're not serving with everything we have. And we feel so insignificant. We feel so small. We feel so dirty because of our past. But can I tell you something? God's not intimidated by where you came from. That doesn't scare God. It doesn't scare God that you used to do the things you used to do and say the things you used to say and go to places you used to go. And, and, and furthermore, God is not even intimidated by where you are right now. The type of life you live and, and, and what you're doing and, and you think you think God intimidated by you think because people are intimidated by you that God is? You think that because just because some people feel like they're too righteous to be around you that God's going to shun you and God's going to turn you away and God doesn't love you? Let me, tell you? let me tell you how I know God loved you. You're awake. Not only are you awake, but you're here right now. You're in this place under the sound of my voice because God wants you to be saved. That's really what Christmas is all about. I mean, let's talk about it. Let's have a conversation. God is not scared of you. Yeah. 
I know some of your family members won't engage you about Christ. I know some of your family members won't engage you about right and wrong. I know some of your family members might not engage you about the righteousness of God. But let me tell you something. God convicts you every time you step out of his will. You know why? Because you don't scare him. We don't scare God. You think our little parties with our little cups? The red cup, that's why I don't drink from a red cup right now today. Don't give me nothing in a red cup. You're going to give me a plastic cup, make it clear. Oh, y'all looking at me like y'all don't remember the red cup. God ain't intimidated by the fact that some of us going to leave here right now and turn completely up. Over the holiday season. And then come back in. And even, even, and even that don't turn him off from you. See, now church people will get, you know, turn their nose up. I can't believe you doing that. And God said, no, I love you beyond all that. And the reason that I let you live after you did that foolishness is because I want you to be truly saved. I want you to be truly redeemed. I want you to be truly transformed. And I want you to quit this playing in church. And I want you to be redeemed by the blood of my son. That's why you hadn't died in it yet. So you think that God is, is, is not serious about being just. He's not serious about righteousness. He's not serious about holiness. No, he is very serious, but he is even just as serious about the redemption of those who are lost. And everybody in who's ever been redeemed ought to say, thank you, Jesus. I looked at some scriptures Matthew 9, 10 through 13. I looked at some scriptures. I, 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 now it all makes even more sense, apostle. Makes sense. Look, look at what Matthew 9, 10 says. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but come on, sinners to repentance. Jesus said, I like being around sick people because I'm the antidote to their sickness. He said, he said, all y'all righteous people, y'all already there. So I need to go and hang around so many <coughs> sick people. See, you know what? When we get healed, we act like we ain't never been sick. Is this on? When we get healed, we act like we've never been sick. Jesus said, I came to hang with the sick people. So that's why I'm having dinner with tax collectors and sinners because those are the people that I came after. Those are the people that I came to deliver. Those are the people that I came to save. And the very people that many people talk about today are the people that Jesus came for. In fact, all of us in here who are saved today used to be one of those people. We're just ordinary people. 
We used to be one of those people. We have to remember. That's who Jesus came for. Jesus said, yeah, yeah, I'm hanging out with him. Here's, here's what got me. Dylan, Jesus did it in front of everybody. Jesus didn't go hang out with the sinners, Giorgio. Snuck. He didn't sneak. He didn't put on shades and duck his head. Because, see, you know, you, know, you know, people say, I'm going there so I can minister to people. But if you're in disguise, I don't know if you're going to minister to or be ministered to. No, big and bold and bad, Jesus would just walk up in the house. Everybody a sinner. The music going. I mean, they getting down, and Jesus would just walk up in there and say, Jesus is in the house. Righteousness has arrived. Came to save y'all up in here. I know y'all looking for me to be down at the church service, but I'm, I'm over here with all these sinners because these sinners need saving. He's a bad boy. He says, I want to call these sinners. I didn't come to call the righteous. And Jesus, you know, he was really good with how he did things because, you know, the Pharisees thought they were righteous. So it was more like righteous. <laughs> y'all cats who think y'all got it together. I, I didn't come for y'all. Y'all think y'all so holy. Y'all think y'all so together. So I ain't come to call you. I came to call those who know they need some help. I, I came for those who know that, know that uh, every time they try to get themselves together, that thing just don't work. Do I, do I have about at least two or three people who, who tried to get yourself together? In fact, there's some people in this room, you don't have to raise your hand because I don't want to put you on blast. You still trying to get it together. Still messing up, still tripping up, still, still saying stuff we shouldn't say and thinking things we shouldn't. Can we talk about this in church? Is this allowable? Can we have this conversation? Still messing slap up. And then crying out, Lord, help me, because you know you ain't strong enough to fix it yourself. Jesus, I came for you. I ain't come for them high-minded, high righteous peacocks of God's zoo. I came for the ordinary people. I came for people who know they're drowning and know they're in the deep water and they can't swim. Some of us better recognize we can't swim and we're in the deep water. Some of us better recognize that if the lifeguard don't come and get us, we're going to drown out here. No, y'all ain't hearing me. Some of us better recognize that you're in deep water and you don't know what to do. It's amazing that we've been able to keep our head above water this long. And the only thing that's been holding you up is grace. I came to talk to somebody. The reason you hadn't drowned yet is because of the grace of the almighty God. Woo! Is anybody here glad to be saved? 
turn me up, Rico. Turn me, or give me some more on the monitor. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad he saved me. I don't know what to do except live for him. Because my, re my reality, Pastor Taylor's reality is I could not do it myself. That's my reality. I tried, and I tried, and I tried, and I'm going to tell you, I'm so glad God sent him to seek me out. You say, y'all think I came here to just hang out with religious people? You think I came here so that all of us saved people could stand around and look at each other and talk about how saved we are and pass scripture verses back and forth between one another? No, I did not come to hang with the holy people. I came because there are people who are dying in their sins and I want them to be saved. I came because there are people who are traditional in their thinking and they come to church and they still live worldly and they disrespect me. I want them to be saved. We think God is playing. No, God is patient. No, he's not playing. He's patient got way more patience than us because if somebody in this room was God poof you'd have been gone so right there I want to thank God that a man is not God he says I came to call him to repentance one definition for repentance seems to me not simply a change of mind but a change as would reverse the effects of one's own previous mind God wants to change our mind to the point that the effects of our old mind go away. Now that's change. Change so powerful, Pam, that you don't even look like the old you no more. And people say, Pam, girl, is that you? Because see, Pam tells me, Pam, can I, can, I, can I talk about it, Pam? You can tell me no now, and I won't. Pam said I could talk about it. Pam tells me that she was something else back in the day. But I ain't convinced. Because the Pam I see now looks nothing like the Pam she describes. My son Johnson and my son Smitty and my son, my son, my son Ed have told me some stuff about their past, and I ain't rightly convinced because I don't see those guys today. Clay, my man. When God changes you, the results of your own mind, your old thinking, your old ways disappears. So then if somebody said they change and they still act the same, well, uh, anyway, 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 our actions will mess around and betray our words, you know. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. Now, 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 listen, listen. Luke 7, Luke 7. We're not done. We're not done. Luke 7, Luke 7. Uh, no, no, no. John, Matthew 11, Matthew 11, Matthew 11. 
Yeah, Matthew 11, 18, 19. Can't skip that. All right. That's good right there, Rico, whatever you did. I don't know what you did, but just, it's perfect. You ready? 18, 19. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he hath a devil. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. John didn't eat nor drink, but they say he had a devil. Now, nah, wait, 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 wait. So he did all the righteous stuff. He stayed with the right people. He, he, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't booze. He didn't carouse. He didn't go to the, he didn't do none of that. He didn't, he didn't go to concerts. He, he, he didn't, he didn't dance. He didn't do nothing. He didn't do any of that stuff. And, and they said John had a devil. So he was in church all the time. He went to the prayers. He fasted. He sought the Lord. He holy danced. He did all that. And they said he had a devil. Now, 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 and then now, look, verse 19, the son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, behold, a man gluttonous and a wine bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but he, but they say, but wisdom is justified of her children. Now, now get this, John did all the right stuff. Jesus looked like he was doing all the wrong stuff, and they still had something bad to say. I guess the moral of this story is, no matter what you do. You do right, they got something to say. You do wrong, you got something to say. You do nothing, they got something to say. I guess they're going to always have something to say. So do me a favor, do what God told you to do. People always have a comment. There's always a peanut gallery. Always a peanut gallery. Always somebody with something to say. And some of us are afraid to operate in the ministry God gave us because we're scared of what people are going to say. I'm going to tell you now, if I was scared of what people say, I wouldn't do or say nothing. I'd be somewhere locked up by myself just not doing nothing. But since God helped me to get past people, I just do and say whatever he lead me to do and say. Sometimes people say, I can't believe you said that. I say, I said that? Oh, well. I used to let it make me lose sleep, Sheree. I say stuff, and then people say, I can't believe you said that, and I'd lose sleep about it. But I'm saying, nah, I didn't say that now. Amen. I, amen. Pray the Lord. Hallelujah. John did the right stuff, and Jesus supposedly did the wrong stuff. Said John had a devil. Said Jesus was a glutton and a wine bibber. But it said wisdom is justified of her children. Now what does that mean? The New, the New Living Translation clears it up. It says, but wisdom is shown <laughs> by, it's shown to be right by its results. Wisdom is shown to be right by its results. See, see, what happens is, is people, think, people think that what people thought what Jesus was doing was not wisdom. Jesus, you shouldn't be over there with them. You shouldn't be hanging out with them sinners and them publicans and stuff like that. You shouldn't do that. You, you ought to be over here in the church in, 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 in the right place. You're in the wrong place. And, and so Jesus didn't pay that any attention because Jesus knew who he came to seek and to save. He understood what he was coming to do. So it says wisdom will be justified by its right results. So what happens is, is, is wisdom will be proven to be right when you see that the proof is in the pudding. When you see people getting saved, 
When you see lives being changed, when you see divorces that were going before the judge stop, when you see drug addicts be delivered, then you find out that wisdom was right. And wisdom is not always conventional. It doesn't always look smart. Not the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God says give if you're broke. The wisdom of God says love your enemies. The wisdom, say, the wisdom of God says bless those who curse you. The man's wisdom says cuss them back. The wisdom of God says forgive. So you can unshackle yourself from that thing in the past. But the wisdom of man says stay mad at him. And the longer you stay mad, the longer you stay locked up. You want to be free from the person that hurt you, forgive them. But as long as you stay mad at him, you stay shackled to him. Now, Matthew stops there, but Luke, who was there too, he wrote even further. Now, what I like about it, don't think that they were at two different situations. They were the same place, but, you know, when you sit in the room, me, Portia, Giorgio, Ed, Joe, uh, Apostle, Ethel, we could be in the same room, see the same thing happen, and we'll all have, we'll tell Elder a different story. It's not that anybody's lying, it's just a certain points that stuck out to us that didn't stick out to the others. So this is what happened with Luke. And Luke says in Luke 7, 36 uh, through 39, he's continuing the same thing. And it says, and one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down and meet. Okay, now get it. And behold, a woman of the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she she is a what? Sinner. So here's what he said. If Jesus was really as holy as he says he is and really as anointed as he says he is, if he was really the son of God, if he was really a prophet, then he would know that this is a low down, dirty, good for nothing, scum of the earth sinner who's touching him. Now, why would Jesus let a sinner touch him? So Simon thinking is in his mind. He didn't say it out loud. He thinking it. So Jesus said, Simon, I have something to say to you. He said, say on. What you going to do, tell Jesus not to say it? Say on. He said, there's two people. They owe a certain amount of money. One person say owed uh, $50. The other person owed 500 Which one would be most grateful? Well, the one who owed 500. He said, well, this woman right here, ever since I come in the door, all she's been doing is kissing me. You ain't kissed me once. Since I come in here, my feet dirty. You didn't wash my feet. You didn't anoint my head. You ain't do nothing. But this woman been anointing my feet since I got here. I guess you're not very grateful then. 
Because, see, the one who loves much is the one who's been forgiven much. And the one who loves little is the one who's been forgiven little. So he said, I guess you ain't been forgiven much, have you, friend? Jesus got no issue with being touched by sinners. Because if you trace his genealogy, they all up in there. Jojo, they all up in there. Now, a good politician or a good public servant hides their background. Y'all don't want to talk to me. They don't want to be known to be associated with such people. You understand? You understand? They don't want to be associated with some of the family members who show up at the barbecue on the 4th of July. Can we have real church up in here? Because all of them got them family members. In fact, truth be told, some of us off up in here used to be that family. That one who drank too much at every party. Don't know how to act after they get a few. Y'all don't. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Just like, just like we have family, Jesus had family. And so people who didn't live quite right didn't intimidate God. Because God went through those people to get Jesus in the earth. He allowed those people to be legally attached to Jesus. Dig it now. Dig it. Watch this. <laughs> Judah... A godly man had a daughter-in-law named Tamar. How much time do I have? So, so Tamar, a husband, Judah's son, died without her having a baby. So he sends another son in and said, take her as your wife so she can have a, a son in honor of your brother. But he went in and lied with her but spilled his seed on the ground. God was angry with him, and so God killed him, basically, because of his sin. So he had another younger son, and he said, I want you to wait, Tamar, for him to grow up, and then I'll give him to you as a husband. But she didn't want to wait. So one day, Judah went into town, and she took off her widow's stuff, and she put a veil over her face to make herself look like a harlot. And she went and stood where the harlot stood. She stood on the stroll and waited on a John to come by. And when Judah came by, he now see, see, that's why I say Judah, uh, Tamar ain't the only one wrong in this story because Judah picked her up. Judah didn't know it was Tamar because she had a veil on. So Judah picked up and he said, I'll give you a calf. I'll give you an animal. You know what I'm saying. They made a transaction, and, and, but he didn't have it with him. So she said, give me something so I know you're serious. So he gave her some very important stuff, and, and, he, and she took it, and she was smart, see. So she ended up getting pregnant a while later. And so the, the people who were righteous said, you know, your daughter-in-law had played the harlot. And so he went back. He said, well, then let her be burned. But he went, when he went to burn her, she said, but whose stuff is this?
Mother, that's the way it goes, right? Who, whose stuff is this? He said, oh, this is my stuff. So, so if Tamar had to burn, that means Judah had to burn. Moral of the story is Tamar didn't burn. See, see, how, see how we can be judgmental and ready, ready to damn somebody to hell until we in that spot. Now when we get there, we want mercy. But where was the mercy? Where was the mercy when it was somebody else? That's why I don't talk about people and I don't allow people to talk about people to me. Because if I was in that person's situation, I don't want nobody talking about me. I want some grace. I want some love, don't you? So anyhow, she had sons, one named Perez, the breaker. Anyway, then there's Rahab. Now Rahab is a harlot who lived up on the wall. And when the spies went in to spy out the land, they were about to get caught. And so the, 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 the harlot named Rahab was the one who hid them. Or else they'd have been killed. Now she was the one who said, we scared of y'all. Because y'all God is bad. And so she hit him, and when the soldiers came, she lied and said, oh, I, I don't know. And when they left, she let him down on a scarlet cord. Now, why is the, why is the cord scarlet? scarlet? Scarlet's red. So they were delivered by a scarlet cord. Y'all don't, I don't have time to preach that, but that's something. That, so Anyway. So because, and, and, and so what happened was she made a deal with him. She said, look at here. I know y'all, God gave y'all a victory over us. But don't kill me and my folks. I'm going to help y'all, but y'all got to make a deal with me. Let us live. And so they let her live. They took her and her family out, and they killed everybody off up in there. And then one of them guys married her. Which leads us now to Ruth. Of Moabitess. From Moab, a people who didn't love God, didn't worship God. They, they were pluralistic. They worshiped all kinds of other gods. And, 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 and she got hooked up uh, with somebody named, what's her name? Naomi. And she married one of Naomi's boys. And, 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 and they both died. They got killed. And, 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 and Oprah and Ruth were going back with Naomi. They're crying. And she said, y'all going to get another husband. But Ruth said, no, I can't leave you. She said, wherever you lodge, I lodge. And whoever your God is, that's going to be my God, and your people going to be my people. Now, when I looked up Ruth's name, I wanted to know what a name meant. It meant a female friend. Ah, so she was a friend to, to, to Naomi during her time of hurt. And anyway, it ends up that, that she meets up with a dude named Boaz. 
a kinsman redeemer. Y'all know what I'm talking about. She meets up with Boaz, and I, and I believe that, that Rahab uh, was the mother of Boaz's daddy. Now, you can go back and research it, but I think that's how it worked out. So, so if there wasn't for Rahab, there'd be no Boaz. And, and so Boaz is a kinsman redeemer. She married him, and then down the line, uh, Jesse, which is David's daddy, um, daddy was the son of Ruth and Boaz, and now you got David in the earth. And, but David one day uh, when the king should have been out to war was back at the castle walking around on his rooftop and lo and behold there's Bathsheba yeah yeah the, the, the wife of Uriah taking a bath just telling y'all the story now and so she's so fine he says go and get her for me now that's in our David you know that's Uriah's woman he said I don't care I want her so he sent for her, he, he, he lied with her, and she got pregnant, and, 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 and then he said, oh my goodness, so I got to get Uriah to come back from war and be with his wife so I can cover up this baby. I'm just telling the story now. So I got to cover up this baby, and, and so, and so uh, Uriah wouldn't come because he was a man of honor. In fact, when he came home, he wouldn't go be with his wife. Because he said, my men out there dying. And there ain't no way I can live in the comfort of my house while my men die. Oh, ain't it something that God will mess up our cover up? I know, Rico. I know. I'm sorry. So anyway, so, 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 so he says, okay, I got to do something. He won't go be with her. So he puts him out on the front line so he can kill him. But I looked up Uriah's name, and Uriah's name is the light of Jehovah. So when he killed Uriah, he put out Jehovah's light. So, so, he, so, he, so now he's a murderer, and he takes this woman. To make it worse, he takes her now as his wife. Five people with a checkered past. And if we researched more of them, even more deeply, we'd probably find some skeletons. My question to God was, why did you let Matthew tell that story? No, no, no. Furthermore, why did you inspire Matthew? To put those names in there. Because let me give you some history. Women's names were not normally included in a genealogy. So why then, God, would you inspire him to not include the women with a clean record? But to include the ones you know. Y'all ain't going why in the world would you let Jesus be called the son of David? Why would you let him be the seed of Abraham who lied to keep himself alive? He, he gives the lineage so that he can trace it back and show the authenticity of Jesus being the Messiah. That's the first reason. See, it, said, it was said of Abraham that in your seed, Will all the peoples of the earth be blessed? Jesus. 
He told David that one of your relatives would reign on the throne of David forever. Jesus. There's the connection. The Messiah had to be related to both of them. So he backs all the way up to Abraham, brings it to David, and then brought it to Joseph and Mary. But while he was on the way, he included all them people with the past. So we could know he is not intimidated by us. See, I shared all that stuff, and we laughed a little bit. And some of us marveled that people like that did stuff like that in the Bible. There's nothing new under the sun. We just redoing old stuff. And so the reason that I shared all of that is because whatever you did, Whatever messes you made, whatever mistakes you made, or whatever you did on purpose, he loves you. And he is not intimidated by you, your past, and he's not intimidated by your present. He will save you today. He will save you right now. See, if you could get past it, and come to him. He says, we'll get past it together. I just need you to come and repent. He says, I came to call you to repentance. That's why you hadn't died yet. You think you just came to church? You didn't just come to church. You came today because of his grace and his mercy. And it's another chance for you to be saved. So see, while people talk bad about you. For what you did. And while people turn their nose up at you. For your past or your present, he's not tripping. That's not messing with him. That's not going to keep him from loving you. That's not going to keep him from embracing you and drawing you to himself. Because if it would have kept him from doing it, none of us would be saved. So that's why I shared all that I shared. Because, see, sometimes in church... We sit in church and we say, yeah, Pat, Rail, but you don't know. You don't know what I did. You don't know the stuff that I've been engaged in or the stuff that I'm doing. And see, all of y'all in church, see, y'all, y'all together, y'all righteous and y'all holy. And, well, partly true. Part, part of the truth is the only reason we any of the things you called us is because of what Jesus did. And we repented of our sins and we confessed him as Lord. But the other part of that truth is, man, if you would have known us back when. See, everybody's got that. You're not special there. You're not special. And that's what the enemy wants us to think. There's someone named Satan who wants to keep you lost. And so what he says to you is you can't be like those people. You can't live like those people. Even though in your heart you want to live for him, you really want to come to him. You do. But you feel like I can't do it. I can't be like them. And the fact is 
We didn't know we could be like this. But look at what God does. Now, I thought about for a moment who wrote this. Name's Matthew. He used to be a tax collector. Tax collectors were hated people. They were dishonest people. They stole from people. And Jesus walks up to Matthew while he's at his booth. <laughs> Cheating people. I'm talking about in the act of stealing. Jesus walks up to Matthew and says, come follow me. I want you to be one of my, one of my disciples. Not when he was off work. Not when he was on a break. In the act of stealing. So we couldn't say Jesus didn't know who he was. Or Jesus didn't know what he did for a living. He knew exactly. What am I saying to you? He knows exactly who you are. And yet he says, come to me. Father in heaven, I pray that someone has heard you today and that they'll come and that they'll understand that there's nothing that they've ever, ever done that you won't forgive them for. There's nothing in their life that you won't redeem them from. And I pray today that when I offer them the opportunity to come, that they will come. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you come today?